The Oracle Network. Thanks for tuning in to another episode where I discuss the horrors of the world as told through film. Some movies are pure fiction, enabling us to leave the world of evil behind us. But others, like the ones discussed in this podcast, are based on actual events. Welcome to the True Crime and Horror. I am your host, Lorraine Purden, who is joined by Ray from Not Before Coffee. And this is Once Upon a Nightmare. On the 19th of July, 1975, Bill Terrell, a building handyman for apartments at 460 East, 63rd Street and York Avenue in New York City was asked to go and investigate a foul odor coming from the 10th floor. Bill would discover the bodies of twin gynecologists Cyril and Stuart Marcus. To this day, it is still unclear as to what happened to the brothers. This is Dead Ringers. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Beverly Mantle. By every scientific measure, they are absolutely the same. They share everything. You haven't had any experience until I've had it too. Bev, you've got to try the movie star. She's unbelievable. Doctor, you've cured me. You mean to say there's two of them? They're twins, dear. I think we should drop her, Bev. You drop her. love if it does this to you, can it? Doctor, I think there's something wrong with you. Patients are getting strange. What are they? For working on mutant women. From David Cronenberg, who in The Fly made the fantastic real. Get out of here! Radical technology was required. Something radical is definitely required. Now, David Cronenberg makes reality the ultimate fantasy. Dead Ringers. Separation can be a, a terrifying thing. So as mentioned, I'm joined by Ray from Not Before Coffee. So hey, Ray, how are you? I'm okay. You? Grand. You're back on again. I know. Regular visitor. I know, regular I guest. A few regulars. <laughs> Regular <laughs> Yeah, I have a few guests, uh, regulars that come on and uh, you're definitely one of them. And I have to be very, did you pick this film or did I? I did. Oh, did you? Go me. I actually picked a horror movie that was pretty horrific. Did you find this horrific? There were certain bits of it that were, I think, because I'm a woman. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there were one or two. Yeah, yeah. I think back now, actually. Yeah, there, there were one. one I think that is, I think it was more horrific for women than men in many respects yes there'll be a couple of scenes that we definitely will be talking about that made me kind of go Ooh. yeah there, there was one that I have to admit I looked away from the screen I don't think I don't think I looked away I kind of did that thing where you kind of go like that you know where you kind of you're not looking away but you're kind of looking away and looking at the same time yes yeah, it's, it's so the that, um the rubber necking that you do at a car accident which I think this was actually yeah somebody in a review actually mentioned this was like that car accident rubbernecking mm. where you have to look but you don't want to yeah yeah it's uh 
Yeah, it's a weird one. It's very strange. But it's Cronenberg. Yes. Cronenberg is... Uh, I mean, I am a fan of Cronenberg, but you... Some of his... Like, I, I remember about a year ago, I hadn't seen Videodrome in ages, and I didn't remember any of it, so I, I actually bought it okay. off of Amazon Prime. And I lasted about 15 minutes. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not in the mood. For, I can't do this right now. So like, you know, I've done rabid myself on the podcast, but you know, and I love the fly. Um, yeah, but the there's fly some of his one. stuff. Yeah. Cause some of it, yeah. The, oh, the fly's amazing. Cause like some of his stuff is very like, he's very body horror. He's like the king of body horror and he's very visual in a lot of the stuff he does. But then you get things like dead ringers and the history of violence that aren't so much like things like rabid and the fly and scanners and shivers and all that kind yeah. of stuff so those types of films you know like your rabbits and your fly you have yeah. to kind of like i feel like i have to kind of like brace myself for them i have to be in the mood and i have to be in the right headspace for them however it was for me it was the fact that you had this requirement when it came to the film that we talked about what do you mean it had to be something that was based on. Oh yeah, because true crime. now I do. Yeah, I do stuff that's based on real events. That's it's kind of like you know, because when I was watching this, I was kind of like, true crime. Is it true crime? Because like there is no crime, technically that's committed, but it's kind of a horror film that's based on very loosely. As I went on and looked in a bit more, yeah. Um, real events so yeah the the podcast now is kind of going to be films based on real events some of them will be full-on true crime paranormal and hauntings and stuff like that and then stuff like this so yeah so this it was, was uh, just twisted <laughs> it was very twisted it was very twisted but i'll just give a little synopsis and um so of course the film we're talking about is dead ringers which was directed by david cronenberg and it's based on the life of these identical twins, real life identical twins, Stuart and Cyril Marcus. It stars Jeremy Irons in a dual role as Beverly and Elliot Mantle, change the names, based on the book Twins by Barry Wood and Jack Kiesland uh, from 1977. Both grew up to be leading gynecologists who practiced in New York City. Beverly one of the brothers begins to fall for a woman named Claire, played by Genevieve Boujold. Is that how you say it? Genevieve. Who, who he thinks deceives him, and he starts to slip into madness, and the other brother slowly follows. So, overall, did you... Sorry, I've just heard sirens, and I've got a new mic, so I naturally went to pause because of my old mic. <laughs> can't hear <laughs> it. I realised I didn't have to. You can't hear it. Um, that's good. So, um, did you like this film? I think it was stunning to watch. The, mm. the the vibrancy of the colours, there's one colour all the way through that is incredibly strong, and that's red, which is quite disturbing in itself. Well, I, I didn't know this. I only found this out today, actually, that the red, uh, like, gowns they use, surgical gowns they use, were actually designed by david cronenberg's sister she actually did a lot of the work I for him i saw that her name was in the credits and i, know, I yeah, was denise. thinking is that yeah. her wife his wife or his sister yeah and i like how they made because like these brothers were in real life were very well known for what they did and helping people women get pregnant they were big on fertility and all that kind of stuff and the robes for me were very much they were very religious 
And I they suppose were. that's kind of like they were like, you know, the, the brothers in the film, they're very like godlike about all the things they think they can do. But did you notice so I think that... one big thing about the brothers was the brother who was obsessed with the red for the most yeah. part, though Beverly wore the red in surgery. Elliot wore the red tie, sat in the red chair, had the red in the background of his room. He was the one that had the the use for red outside of surgical procedures, but he was also the mm. one that never performed surgery. Mm, actually, that's very true. That's very true. What did you what did you think of the brothers? Like what did you like how like the differences with them? Because obviously the, we the differences kind were... of like Beverly but Elliot's a bit of a prick. Yeah, the problem was, it... though, Beverly always went along with it. He was the weak, quite mm. clearly the weaker brother. Mm. And Elliot always portrayed himself as the stronger one who, if it weren't for him, Beverly would have never lost his virginity and everything else. He warmed the women up. He was the charmer. In fact, didn't wasn't he referred to as the, char the charmer who was like a vampire? Claire referred to him as a vampire. And there was something about him. There was something about both of them that was very, very wrong from the start. They were both entirely too invested in each other. There was no separation, even though at certain points, I think that Beverly had far more of a connection to Elliot than Elliot did to Beverly. Because Elliot was the one who was like, I'm fine with going off to university and becoming a press professor and then becoming head of department. While, well, what about me then? Oh, you're going to carry on running the practice. I felt that most of the way through until the end, which we're getting to later. I think I felt like it kind of switched a bit. But I thought, yeah, it was a very unnatural relationship. I mean, I I met, you know, very close siblings and yeah. twins and stuff. And I've never, thank God, come across this type of behavior. There were four but, sets of identical twins in my school. Four, which oh, is really? like, how? Yeah, three wow. of them were in my year. Wow. It's like people were um, very, very busy that year. <laughs> but I, 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 th I thought it was very strange how, like, do you know when, so Elliot warmed, so the main woman in it is Claire, um, and Elliot warmed her up, for use of a better term, and then sent Beverly over. So basically Elliot would go over, have his way, I'm done now. He it's like he got bored very easily. So then Beverly could then go in and and but did you notice that when uh Beverly went to see her and she walked in and she was like, Oh, do what you did last night and all that kind of stuff. So obviously Elliot, like, you know, he was good in bed. Yeah. And when she kissed Beverly, she walked away and she turned away from him and she started doing this, like she was touching her lips. It As was if almost she sensed like, that she knew he was different yeah she was like oh it was yeah because I I didn't realize because I thought I must have made this up in my head so <laughs> when she did that it was like oh you didn't kiss like that last night but you know when she's on the table at first being examined because she wants to have kids yeah for some reason I had it in my head that Elliot was doing that but Beverly came in no, it was the other and way around. Beverly was doing it. He went to search for Elliot and said, oh, my God, this woman's got three cervixes. You've got to but see this. Were they this. not in the room together? Were they not in the room together? Never. Okay, she, never ever, only... she never ever saw them together until they met in that bar. Okay, that's fine. Because, because I, as far as she was concerned, that... there was one 
there was one. Yeah, there was one. And yeah, I was confused because I was like, I'm sure they were both in that room. So they weren't. Okay, no. that's fine. Because like, the whole way through, I was like, did I turn away or something when that was on? Um, no, because yeah, he was, just said, I'll go and check with my colleague. He never said, I'll check with my brother. It was almost as though he was separating the two out so that nobody ever knew there were two of them. But at the same time, everybody knew there were two of them, as we later discover with Louisa, the woman that Claire goes and meets and says, oh, well, oh, you've got the brothers. Which one are you sleeping yeah. with? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there was... I, I find I find that a bit strange that she didn't know. And I suppose as well, because when she found out that they were, especially that they were identical twins and she like was kind of putting two and two together because I, I loved that whole interaction of when she met him and when she met Elliot as well. And she was like, so I've basically been shagging both of you. Yeah. I thought that was a really good scene. I loved it. And I like Elliot was such a prick and that's what I mean by the fact that when with, with Elliot you don't really like him and he gave me I don't know if you picked up on this because I don't know if you've actually seen the film have you seen the film American Psycho yes yeah so the look the way he dressed the way he walked the way he spoke with he was a smarmy financial he he, re, he reminded yeah. me of Patrick Bateman to be mm. honest with you because there was nothing there like I didn't, I felt like Beverly had feelings and stuff like that. Whereas I felt like with um, Elliot, he had no feelings whatsoever. He was just about, you know, being top of his game, making money, uh, getting women. And then just, I'm bored. My brother can have them now. Loved that he was top dog with his brother, that basically his brother got to have sex because of him. You know, and there was, there was it just, he just seemed very empty to me. But maybe compared that, to Beverly. I think that was the purpose though, because there were certain mm. elements. Elliot was very, very slick. He had his hair slicked back all the time. He was always very well dressed. He wore mm. suits all the time. Whereas Beverly wore cable knit sweaters, not quite as well as Chris Evans. Um, his hair was very, very floppy. It was like he didn't know what gel was unless he had to pretend to be his brother. Yeah, no, exactly. And I just, I just, I was just watching it and there was one bit there and uh, Beverly was looking very disheveled, hair a bit messy and all that kind of stuff. And Elliot was very clean and the way the hair was back and I just thought, my God, Patrick Bateman. It just reminded mm. me so much of him. Because Elliot, you didn't like. And even when... Uh, Claire met Elliot and Beverly together straight away. She wasn't taken by him. Yeah, but straight away she you also know? knew, I think, there was that I've been taken for a fool and mm. this guy is the one responsible for it because as far as she was yeah. concerned, until that point, Beverly had been nothing but sweet. Even after that very weird scene with the... Um, surgical tubes and oh, it's like hang on a yeah. second is this what he thinks is normal <laughs> because that was she seemed to enjoy it not saying anything against it but, it it but it was very very um what's the right word for it 50 shades of gray bdsm but bad BDSM? Well, I, I haven't i haven't se i haven't seen that but do you know what it what i found it's like, okay, so when they were in bed, you saw her naked. You saw that other woman that Elliot was with kind of showing a bit. But when they were having sex... She was wearing a very old granny nightgown. She was, wear 
Yeah, I thought, and she's tied up with these tubes and clip things. I mean, I don't know what they're, what they're bloody called. They're actually what they use to um, clip umbilical cords, to hold umbilical cords before they clip them. Lovely. That's why um, they have the, the um, release they do. And yeah, I, I don't oh, know. Right. I think it's because I worked in a hospital. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I thought that that was strange that she was so covered up. Like we saw his back and you could, I mean, it looked like they were actually, I know it's a film and they weren't, but it looked like they were very much doing it. Mm -hmm. Like, because you saw the tops of her thighs, you know, especially on one side. So it, it, yeah. that's the position they were in. But I thought it was very strange that you she was basically, as you said, in a in a granny nightdress. Like there was nothing sexy about what she was wearing. Like, do you know what I mean? So I was not that there's anything wrong with wearing stuff like that, but no. I, because of the type of relationship it was and what they were doing, I was yeah, just very surprised. I do I do have this feeling with regards Beverly. Think about all the things that he says regarding mutant women and everything else. I think he's far more fascinated with the inside than the outside. When you think about what he said to her in the beginning, I think that the inside, there should be a beauty competition for the most beautiful kidneys. And I think he's far more interested in that What's than he inside, is about yeah. than he is about breasts and everything else. So maybe he yeah, keeps it covers up covered up for his own sanity. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, the way when people use the phrase, um, you know, beauty's on the inside. Yes, More he does that several meaning, times. Yeah, but I, I feel like when people say that, they usually mean like your personality, yes. how you treat people. But with him, you feel like it's actually the physical of what's on the inside. Well, that's rather the thing. Than you have to hark back to the very beginning of the film when we're shown the, the nine-year-old twins back in what is it 19... shall we go have sex <laughs> yeah that i mean that was just what the heck but that was way back in i have got so many different pages of notes here i've just got to find the, 70s. the right pages i think the twins were the 70s weren't they that when they were kids or was it 60s 1954 oh 50 jesus in when yeah. it was like canada yeah like they were toronto, in the, they were in toronto and yeah. they after they'd had that conversation about how the only reason humans have sex is because they can't breathe underwater. And then they're, then they are creating that really disturbing piece of equipment because they're examining a doll, which is, well, it's obviously for um, biological studies and they're taking it apart. They're far more fascinated with the inside of it than they are with anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's the mechanics, what makes it work that they're more interested in. What did you think of the whole thing with the with the tools that Beverly was creating? Like they were like from like when they looked like tortured. something. They looked like something from the Necromicon. Um, What's it, Necromicon? It's a book. It's a disturbing, okay. very disturbing book. <laughs> I'm being honest. See, you like your messed up stuff too. <laughs> yeah, I do, but I like it. I like to read it, to be honest. But yeah, it was something out of horror story, legitimately mm. out of a horror story, because he was obsessed with 
mutant women. And that's what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted them to dissect mutant women. Yeah, because she had three... Um, three had, she had three cervixes, which is why she couldn't have children. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was very... Yeah, his... See, the thing is, is like I thought... Like the whole way through, I was thinking it's all about uh, Elliot. You know, Elliot's the head, you know, the top yeah. dog and all that kind of stuff. And then you watch, I thought it was really strange how when Claire, so Claire goes away because she's an actress and so she goes away to, you know, do a shoot. And then we just see, I mean, I, I, I think Beverly had already started to deteriorate. Yeah, he'd already started to take a lot of drugs. Yeah. But when she went, it was just like, he's very much someone, it's like he needs to have someone at all times. Mm. Yeah. Elliot was very much someone, he's all right on his own. He can do his thing. Whereas um, Beverly very much is fixated on like one person. So when Claire left, it's like he literally couldn't, couldn't function. Yeah, he but couldn't he do became, anything. He became a stalker. I mean, that phone call that he made. That was hilarious. That was, it was <laughs> cringeworthy, <laughs> embarrassing. And I felt so sorry for the guy who answered the phone. I thought that was so funny. Like, well, uh, not funny, like yeah, laugh out loud. There but were like, certain, could you there were certain, certain moments, like when he was saying, oh, well, what do you think of her insides? If you stick two fingers in her, it was like, oh, my God, no. This is not a conversation you have with someone you don't know. Yeah, no, he, he, but, but he thought that. He thought he she was, was having, having an affair. Sex. Yeah, she was having an affair. And then like, he just goes further and further and further. And I'm like, it's, do you know what the sad thing is? It's like people can have that. I mean, I'm lucky. I've never, no one's ever affected me that badly. No. Like to where I like lose my mind and stuff like that. Um, but there's, you know, that can happen. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, having... he wasn't helped by the fact that he was also sinking into the depths of massive drug addiction. Yeah. No. And I think that's that's one thing that's probably because when you think of the actual brothers, like the fact I think a lot of the film with regards to them, apparently, yes, they had a problem. Apparently, yes, both of them would sometimes be in work and off their heads but, you know, all the other stuff that comes with it, like the way they treat women and stuff like that, is like, you know, there's no proof. Apparently there's no proof about no. what actually happened. Like th this, this film very much feels like they took the fact that we've got these two twins, they had a bit of a problem with drugs, and they were gynecologists. And also they were found dead in weird circumstances. And they were found dead in weird circumstances. Nowhere near the weird circumstance that were discussed towards the end of this episode. Yes. But it's like they, they took this story and like made it like, because I'd complete, I mean, I'd seen this film before, but years and years ago. Yeah, and same I'd here. I probably, saw, about I probably saw it in about 93. So quite a long time yeah, cause ago. Yeah, because it's 80s. Eight, well, 88. 88, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot of it I, I'd forgotten because I, same as you, I probably saw it in the 90s as well. And that's the thing with I'm discovering because I've already written a few episodes um, before doing this one. And it's crazy how much films take such liberties with how 
oh, well, they were this, so we'll just say they did this, this, and this. And yeah. they just didn't. And you have to remember that, especially the book Twins, because obviously this is based on that, so that guy's putting all this stuff into it. I haven't read it, but they've put all this stuff into it. And you've got to think, especially the way that they treat women, like if you're a family member and you're reading, oh, my brother, you know, this fella warmed up women, so this other fella could do this. You know, it's it's yeah. very disrespectful, you know? Apparently, I mean, this the book came out two years after they died because the brothers actually died in 75. Yeah, this came out in 77. The, books, the book, book came out yeah. in 77. However, it was based on a newspaper article that was published in the New York Times. Mm, yeah. Which was published yeah. relatively soon after the brothers died. Yeah. But again, so it's, just... it's all speculation. But I think that as with any film, you think about it, I mean, even Scream is based on, loosely based on real life events. Oh, yeah. Danny Rowlands. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if they take liberties because if they told the real story, it wouldn't be as entertaining. Well, exactly. I think with Scream, he got the idea from watching the whole thing with Danny Rowlands uh, unfold. So I don't, I think the thing with Scream, he doesn't claim, it, it's just that's where he got the idea from. Yeah, but that's the know, thing. I mean, this doesn't case. actually claim to be the real story. It says it was inspired by the book. Well, and the book then says it's inspired by. Yeah, but apparently the marketing, which apparently David Cronenberg wasn't happen about, happy about, was, let's say it's basically... You know, it feels like they're trying to say it's the brothers because when I went to watch it this time, my memory of it was this is the life of the brothers. You know, and it, it it's not like because the ending is ridiculous. Like there's no way that happened from what all the stuff I've no. read. There's no way that happened. But I think I'd like to go back to the tools. Ooh. So Beverly is really losing his fucking mind at this stage. And he, cr I don't know what these tools are. I don't know what he was expecting to they're do with them. To be, really they're supposed to be gynecological, medieval. gynecological tools. Okay, so none of those things are coming near me, number one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was the claw thing. Do you remember that thing that had that like, That had that claw. really long needle on it that looked yeah, a bit like a finger. Like a, yeah, that yes. was, I was like, no, what, what's he doing with that? But well, he tried to use it in surgery. Yeah, but what I found shocking about all that was the fact that, um, so he has all these things laid out and he's got his surgical team around him. And the girl says, I don't know what any of these things are. And he's like, oh, I'll just tell you a number and you give me, I want number five and give me number five. Whereas you'd think to yourself in a situation like that, they would be, no, I'm not going forward. None of us are going to help you because none of us know what these are. And they did say that there were occasions where, like, they went in. So in that scene, he uses these tools on this woman. And, you know, they're barbaric-looking tools. And you know when he jumps forward and grabs the mask? Yeah, because he needs a high. That, apparently that did happen. Yeah, I... Apparently that did happen. The tools, I'm probably hoping, not. didn't. Because they never found... But they never found any proof of the tools. They never found any tools. So there's no tools in record apparently that's what i've read but the the mask thing which could you imagine operating on someone but then the thing that i think forward i think the thing with the tools is would any hospital 
mm. ever admit that that had occurred in their surgery. Ever. In a thousand years. No, no they wouldn't. They wouldn't. But I, th I th the thing is, it's interesting that they came up with these things. I mean, they were very different in what they were doing, but anyone would have a break. Like, if they had been of sound mind, Yes, like because you remember when he was walking past and he seen that that um, in the gallery. Yeah, he sees and it. the guy. Yeah, the guy had, had created. Like, yeah, he created a duplicate set. Yeah, so basically, if that was the whole scenario, look what I've created. You can buy them, whatever. Look at my piece. Basically, that's different. But to create something like that that did look like it was out of some torture scene from medieval times. That. That's fucking not right. Like, do you know what I mean? But yeah. they, but in in his head, he was like like this weird nutty fucking inventor. Well, that's that the thing. I he mean, was revolutionizing gynecology. They had created a piece of equipment that they received mm. an award for, and their university got credit for. Yeah, but see that thing. While I I thought there, do you know the scene where he's using it on that woman? And she's like, it really hurts, it really hurts. Yeah. And then he's like, is it sore when you have sex? And then he basically... Accuses her of... Yeah, but then he accuses her of having sex dog. with a dog. Did you have sex with a golden retriever? But then the brother comes in, and this is when it kind of starts to turn for me with regards to Elliot. Because Elliot's like, you're not meant to use it for that. No wonder it hurt her. And then you start to see Elliot realizing that That's Beverly fine. is... Yeah, there's something not right. And that's that was the moment for me where I thought, actually, no, Elliot isn't just about himself because he doesn't want these women to be hurt by what his brother is doing. I think, and I think that's part of it is protecting his reputation. But then there's the other part that doesn't want his brother to be damaged by what is happening. And he is really concerned he, for his health. No, he is concerned. But if you see his face... He's kind of like, you know, the way you know, the way when someone says something to you or does something, you're literally like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. He has that kind of look <laughs> about him. He's like, what the fuck? No. Um, but then that's when you start to see it change, because when his brother is like on all the drugs and he's creating these tools and he's, you know, done this thing to this woman in surgery and Elliot's had to pretend he's him to go into the board to kind of talk their way out of it. Elliot then is like, I need to get on the same page as Beverly because Beverly is basically the the research man. He's the guy behind all of this because yeah, he's he the, said he's that the data whole, guy. Yeah, his work is based off of his. And I thought that's when it started to turn in the film, I'm not saying in real life, no. when Elliot's like, I need to get on his level. So I need to take the drugs and do the stuff that he's doing. But while he's doing that, Beverly has met Claire. He spent a week at her apartment and he's fucking... He's fine. Sorted himself out. So if Elliot hadn't done anything, they two of them would have been fine. But Elliot just was like, I need to get onto Beverly's level. Rather than trying to sort Beverly out, he wanted to get where he was yeah. so that they, they could... create this whole cycle mm. because when Beverly gets himself clean, he then goes and discovers that Elliot has decimated their empty offices because their careers are over. Oh my God. 
And mm. oh my God, that, that office just made me feel sick. Well, I think that is something that they also did take from the real life thing because mm. the brothers... But it was in his apartment. Had, yeah, they hadn't been seen for a while. And when they went in, I think I read that um, one police officer said you couldn't see floor. One of the brothers had... Yeah, one of the brothers had been out. Yeah, they But they, they estimated yeah, that it was back. three days after his brother yeah. had died that he left yeah, the house. So he was in, yeah, he was in there with him for a while before he died. Um, so, yeah, it was very much like that. Oh God, when they went in, I mean, I, it, it, I find, I find that mess quite stressful yeah, to look at. I did too. It was just, it, it was, was disturbing. Massively was so. Level. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really bad. And then he just, because the, the sad thing was, Beverly had kind of sorted himself out and he looked around the corner because he heard the water, you know, the shower running. And like there's um, Elliot all just kind of smiling at him. He looks up and kind of smiles at him. And then they go in and you can see they're using the tools because they're both off their heads at this stage. Because Beverly then starts taking stuff. To join yeah, they him. T they start talking about, oh well, we'll take this and then we'll take this and then we'll take this as a treat because it's Sunday mm. and then on Monday we're yeah. going to get clean. I just thought to myself of the diet. You know yourself, they're like on Monday. Yeah, that's I'm starting that's exactly. Yeah, but so the thing is, though, that's almost. But that's almost what it was because they had yeah. a massive, great big cake. And orange pop. And soda, yeah. Yeah, and pop, yeah. then, oh, I want ice. Where's the ice cream? There is no ice cream. But I want ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that that's me. I want ice cream. <laughs> that's me on a Sunday before a diet. Yeah, I just thought, I, 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 that's the first thing I thought of, because obviously I've, I've put that on Monday, on Monday. You know, yeah, on Monday I'm going to be really good. I'm going to get up early. I'm mm. going to do a workout. I'm going to have fruit for breakfast. I'm going to have a smoothie. I'm going to eat a load of salad and I'm going to be really good and then I'm going to do another exercise class and everything's going to be great and Monday morning comes around it's like I'm going to do what again nah where's the ice cream <laughs> but the thing is when you watch them doing it like when you know people say that they believed it mm. they believed that they were going to turn on things Monday, around they were going to kick it all and turn things around their practice like I mean I don't understand how the the there was enough stuff in the practice to make it that messy. I mean, it was just yeah, but he'd been shit a, he'd everywhere. been alone. Bev, um, mm -hmm. Elliot had been alone for over a week when Beverly went back to see him. Yeah, and it. The, I think for me, the thing that turned my stomach the oh, most it was a week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a week, yeah, the thing that turned my stomach yeah. the most was the toilet because oh, that's know, the I first that. shot as you're going into the room. Was, was there a the, bit of vomit on the toilet? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I thought ugh. that. Yeah, it was vile. It was the most disgusting thing, especially for somebody who likes things clean. Mm. Yeah, no. But I, the um, whole the thing was the whole. Pro they knew their careers were done. They knew they were over. Mm. And for Elliot, that was everything. Yeah. No, I. I th the last bit where he. Like they're lying on, so Elliot's lying on the table and he's off his head and Beverly kind of sticks in with something and you see the blood. He uses that running. That that tool that we were talking that, about. The, the claw thing, yeah. yeah. 
the claw. Where is the claw? Um, but it's 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 kind of like the claw that you really don't want anywhere near you ever. No, especially in your vagina. Okay, I've just actually winced just a little bit. But yeah, so he's digging around and then they're just like asleep and he wakes up and then you can see it, but they don't show. So you can see when Beverly wakes up, so they've fallen asleep on like the surgical chairs. And when Beverly wakes up, you can see in the distance that uh, Elliot's chest is very much looks like it's open. Yes, it's been it's been flayed so that essentially remember that at the beginning where well not at the beginning, but they're talking about those Siamese twins that were Mm. separated. And then Beverly, when he's having a he sleeps over with Claire and he has that night terror Mm. about. Oh, they're God, having that. sex and then yeah that's the bit that i had to that's turn away from the screen that's cronenberg. i know <laughs> the min- in fact i think my notes actually say and here's the proof it's a cronenberg movie um <laughs> but that is the bit where i actually had to kind of like go like that oh, no, i'll be honest with you i was the same because it it's when she goes to bite in yes it. and she actually pulls the it looks like it's an umbilical cord and all i could think was i'm, I'm going to be sick because yeah. it was so repulsive. But that was about those mm. Siamese twins, one of whom died of a stroke in the night and the other one wakes up the next morning, sees his brother beside him and dies of fright. He, they, were oh, talking about, they were talking about that when he started the surgery at the end of the film. So that was a real life thing. I, d- I didn't know about that. So that's real life. Those I, think those, I think those twins were the first Siamese twins in recorded history. First yeah, Siamese no, twins. I, uh, yeah, Chang and Eng Bunker were the first yeah. Siamese, Siamese twins. They were wildly exhibited as curiosities and died in 1874. Apparently, Chang died of a cerebral blood clot, so a stroke, and Eng's cause of death was unknown. But they were talking oh. about it, and he was saying, you can cut me away so you can live essentially sending his brother off to live with Claire without Mm. the curse of his brother being there. And it was that the process of separation that he was going through, having had the memory of that dream where his brother was attached to him at the stomach with an umbilical cord. Yeah. Yeah. No, the whole end bit was just, it was when he woke up as well. Uh, when Beverly woke up and he looked over and obviously realised what happened because that was consensual. Like, Elliot was like, yeah, yeah, you can do whatever. Yeah, but they were both high as kites, to be fair. Exactly. Um, But he was like, Ellie, 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 Ellie. The way he kept saying that, I was like, that was weird, man. Yeah. I find that very, very, very creepy. But I do wonder if it was kind of in denial. Well, exactly, 100% in denial. And then the fact that he got dressed and sorted himself out and then went outside. And I suppose that represents maybe the fact that they said that one of the brothers did leave. Yeah. But he walked outside and then he came back. But he phoned Claire, don't forget. Yeah, he phoned Claire. And then all that wax, was that because he stuck the... I couldn't see it. Did he stick the two of them together with the wax? Because you notice there was a load of wax on everything. Yeah, but I think, I, that was was ca- I think that was the candle. Yeah, I thought it was the fact that they'd use all that wax and he'd used it to stick the two of them together. Yeah, but he hadn't because if you look at the end of the film, they're totally Ooh. separate. 
I thought they were very much together. No, because one of the brothers is curled up at his feet. One's sitting up, the other one's curled down at the bottom at the feet. Oh, I thought it was more waisty. Than no, you could see the feet. Oh, okay. No, I thought it was more waisty. Um, but yeah, so with regards to the real life story, how much do you think, like, what did you think when you were watching it with regards to the I actual story? I think that there was so much speculation, so much mm. speculation. She says, I think that. But there was, I do think that they were likely that close and that dependent on each other. Mm. I mean, we don't know anything of their childhood history. We don't know what their, what growing up was like or anything else. I did found it, find it quite interesting that they had such strong English accents given they grew up in Canada. I thought that was weird <laughs> when they came out and they were very, Eng I was like, oh, are they English? For a minute, I was like, are they English? <laughs> yeah, it did. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, she had a very, very strong, almost New York accent. I didn't think it sounded Canadian <laughs> at all. But I know, that's what I thought. But I think that you have to take everything with this kind of film with a grain of salt because the whole thing is actually still an unsolved mystery. They don't know what happened. I mean, they found, they broke into this apartment where one of the, only one of them actually lived. And yeah. they found both of them there dead. They know that one of them died earlier and they think it was from, with, from a drug overdose and the other one was from withdrawal. See, that's the thing. There's been so many things. So there's like murder-suicide yep. one. The other one was they hadn't had drugs um, and kind of fell into a coma and when they woke up their bodies went into shock the other one was drug overdose there's like so many variations of what actually happened to these two boys two men but nothing concrete no you know so it's one of those things that will you know people that are interested in it will forever be kind of make up what you think happened you know i, I well mean, that's what the, that's the thing i mean that's what they did they were 45 Exactly. That's what I mean. It just, it makes no sense that they both died. You know, I can understand, you know, like if you were to look at the film and you watched the way Beverly went with drugs and stuff like that, mm. you can understand one of them. But it's the fact that both of them did. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, what I did find quite interesting was that conversation that they had with Claire or rather Beverly had with Claire very early on. And mm. she talks about, oh, well, I've had so much sex, so much unsafe sex. Don't mm. use any form of contraception at all. Yeah. And bearing in mind when this was made, 1988, oh, yeah. Yeah. it was kind yeah. of like at the height of the AIDS crisis HIV. and everything yeah. else. And he says, oh, that's not safe. Mm. And it's not only pregnancy you've got to consider. No, I, I find it a very. I mean, it's a it's a great film, and I mean, it's Jeremy very well Irons. done. The imagery in it is is significantly fantastic. I mean, the use of color is amazing. No, I agree, and I think like Jeremy Irons is just. I mean, I think Jeremy Irons is an exceptional actor. He is anyway. an exceptional actor. But they they do it really well with how, like. I never once thought to myself, it's not, Jeremy Irons has, I, I thought the whole way through, Jeremy Irons obviously has an identical twin. Yeah. 
He must and have. And he's helping him. Yeah. It, he did a really good job and I think they did a really good job with how they filmed it to make you believe. Especially given when they filmed two... it. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Because it was like, the only time I was like, okay, they made a point of not doing it was with the, um, when they were joined in the dream because you had Beverly looking up and then yeah, that Elliot's was... character, the, the, head was com- the head was completely turned away. And that was done I mean, even even the dance scene was done incredibly well. Oh my god! I, I yeah no, I I thought that dance scene when so Elliot has this girl that he's seeing. What's her? Do you remember her name? No, but doesn't name. he always call her the Countess? The Count. Okay, so he's seen this girl, and um, she she's incredibly influential at the hospital that they work. Dance in. with Elliot. Uh, sorry, dance with Beverly to kind of like, you know, give him a little boost type thing. Because he's and, depressed. Yeah, and she does. And yeah, when Elliot comes along and the way they're they're both dancing, I thought it was a bit weird. But at the same time, I was like, you actually thought that they were identical twins doing it. Like yeah. they were both Jeremy Irons, you know, and... It's strange then when they walk off, and I think this is the real decline of it, is when, so Beverly walks off and passes out and stops breathing, and she tries to help him, but Elliot takes such a long time to kind of like recognize that his brother is in need, but when but then, he does... But he pushes her away by saying, no, don't yeah, touch him, he's off. my brother. He, yeah, he's my brother. And I think that's when it really, when it goes downhill for both of them. I think after that, they're fucked. Yeah. Oh, I agree you know. completely. They have they have destroyed everything about their career that was good. Mm. I mean, mm. that scene when they get when Elliot is being presented with an award and he's saying, Oh, mm. well, my brother can't be here. T- he's somebody I really yeah. need to thank. My brother can't be here tonight. And Elliot mm. and De- uh, Bev arrives so off his face. Yeah. And starts a oh, that that barrage of abuse to everybody is so unbelievable yeah yeah no it's not good but yeah so I think you know you kind of see the two of them decline from I think for me personally it was that moment yeah when Beverly passes out but it's so sad because like with Beverly he's so childlike in a lot of the scenes, like especially like this woman comes into his office and he's sat in his chair and his legs are like up to his chest. You know, it's just, oh, oh I'll be with you, you know, be with you in a second type thing. It's like he's been caught out. Like, you know, the way a child would be like, oh, shit, I've been caught out. Yeah, but then you I'll think about and... it. Then later on, that self-same woman comes into his office and he's shooting up. Oh, I know when that happens. The, the And she hands her notice reception. in straight away. Yeah. It's like, no, not working yeah. here anymore. No. No, but yeah, no, it's a very, see, the thing is, it's, it's down as horror, horror thriller. I don't personally think it's horror. I think it's more thriller, if I'm honest with you. I think it has very scary elements, but psychologically, it's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, that everything, I think that anybody going into surgery and seeing every single member of the surgical team wearing bright blood red. I would not like that. I I wouldn't either. And then 
that umbilical cord scene that that yeah. that was the moment for me that I was like yeah I know this is a Cronenberg film um yeah I don't want to see that again thank you very much <laughs> let's turn I away think, <laughs> I think the fact that this film is an 18 I think it very much needs to be an 18 yes oh, well, I agree it's not a gore fest or anything but that's the thing like with me if you know over previous episodes people have probably heard I'm very much into psychological horror I think it gives you a lot more so like while this film didn't make me like so scenes for instance when that woman was being um you know the tools were being used on that woman we didn't physically see anything go in her no thank god but it was but what they did was enough we didn't need to see it go no. in her because what they did was enough and, and then the after effects of it the aftermath way they where you hear yeah. the entire team they're escorting him out and they're saying she's bleeding yeah. get him out of here yeah. Exactly. That's as like, much, that's all you needed to know. That that was all you needed because less is very much more. And I think that's the thing with this movie. Even at the very end when he's cut open his brother, we didn't get a full visual. We could see it from a distance, yeah. but we didn't get the, the full, you know, head-on type shot of it. And again, I don't think we needed it. So I thought that was really good because I think sometimes in films when they hand it all up on a plate, it's, it's not. It's unnecessary. You know, it's too easy. It's too easy. Whereas with this, you kind of have to work for it a bit. And I, I, I think that's um, what I liked about it. And you know, like I said, Cronenberg, he does like to, you know, do his body horror and show a lot of, um, you know, he's very visual in a lot of the stuff that he does. So it was kind of interesting to see him take do a take where I'm shoving this up this woman. But, but I'm you're not, not going to show, show you. you. And I think... But that, I bet every one of you are going to be, no. <laughs> yeah, and I think the thing with this film, his intent, his intensity with visuals was mm. reserved for the colour palette mm. and the scenery and everything else. All of, all of the, I mean, the scene, as we've already talked about, when they go into the, when he goes into the offices, when Beverly goes back to the offices and sees his brother the mm. visuals of how messy everything got in that week is enough. You don't need to see everything in detail. You've no. got that overview and you just know things have gone to shit. No, no, I agree. I agree. But that's what I like. I think he gave the right amount. I think he gave you the right amount of what you were seeing to give you that kind of feeling that when you do actually physically see it in all its glory, you you kind of like step back a bit, but you don't need to see it in all its glory. Like that's the thing about a lot of Cronenberg films. He's like, he's very good at giving you it all, but without showing you anything. Yeah. I think the thing with this one was if it was going to be a horror movie, a horror movie targeting any specific audience, I would definitely say it's far more horrific for female audiences than male. Oh, definitely. If because you've got a vagina, you're, you're going to be because like... Because you're supposed to trust your gynecologist. Mm. You're supposed to be able to go in there and know that this gynecologist knows what they're doing, knows what they're talking about, and they're not there to hurt you. No, exactly. And I think as well the whole fertility thing behind it because obviously there's people out there that struggle to get pregnant... And these guys were like top dog, 
we will fucking sort you out. Like yeah, but I found actually it. Actually, apparently named their kids after them. They like one woman was like, I think she said Cyril Marcus got me pregnant. I think not, not yeah. by planting the seed, but he got me pregnant. I think you know, the way. irony with their entire practice was we only look after the women. We don't touch the men. Yeah. So if the man's the problem, go somewhere else. That's not our yeah. issue. I thought that was very interesting because fertility is fertility. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I thought that was really interesting that they were just because there's so that woman who goes women. who goes to, and says, I, I'll pay you anything. I'll do anything. Yeah. And he says, it's your husband's problem, not ours. We only look after yeah. the women. I thought that was interesting. I did, you know. It was but, a very, um, very strange obsession. It was an obsession, you know. I understand that people specialise and, you know, if, if your speciality is women, you know, gynaecology and all but that kind of stuff. they were obsessed. Yeah, yeah. It's like they weren't even willing, like... What you would expect in that kind of scenario is like if a man, if, if if the reason, like if, so you've got this married couple and the reason you can't get pregnant is because of the bloke, not the woman. You would feel that they would almost go, we can't help them, but you can do ABC. We yeah. can send, go to this person, you know, do this, do that, whatever. But they were basically, nope, not no, do it. We, we help women end of. You know, so it was like they were so obsessed, like you said, with women and their, you know, reproductive organs. They they just didn't give a shit about the fact that it takes a man and a woman to get pregnant. Yeah, it does you make know? you wonder. You need both. <laughs> it does make you wonder, again, I mean, we don't find out anything about their families at all. So it makes you wonder mm. if they even knew their father and if so, how much involvement did they have with mm. their parents in general yeah. yeah no that's true that's true because they were very like we have each other yeah and that's all we have we don't have anything else we just have each other which reminds me of another film where siblings had each other and that's mm. all they were focused on and it was i think it was a horror film of some kind but the siblings were just so intent on each other. It didn't matter about anybody else. There was no one outside of their relationship. Hmm. And anybody that Nothing. tried to get in the middle of it got destroyed. I mean, part of me didn't remember a lot of what happened with the whole Claire storyline. And there hmm. were parts of me that were waiting for, <laughs> for Elliot to go <laughs> and kill her. Or do something during surgery that caused massive problems. I'll be honest with you, I thought it was a lot more... I remember thinking to myself when I went to watch this how it was going to be, like, really gory and, like, really over the top and stuff like that. Yeah, remember, and this was it, me picking the film. Yeah, and it wasn't. It really wasn't. Like, there wasn't any... Like, I went like this a few times, but that was more because, you know, I'm like, ooh. But I, and then your entire insides shrivel up just a little exactly. bit. Exactly, but there was never a moment where I was like, this is so fucking gory. It just didn't... That's not necessarily a bad thing, nothing. though. No, no, it's not. But I really enjoyed it, though. I was glad I watched it. I think it's a really, really good film. I think the direction is amazing. I'm glad I, I watched it in the afternoon, though. Really? Yes. Mostly, See, cause I have, mostly because I have night terrors. Yeah, but you, yeah, so so you say to me, 
there's certain films I won't watch because you live, you know. I live alone. Of, <laughs> live alone. Certain circumstances, and I can understand that. I can understand certain things. Like if I lived in the arsenal of nowhere in a cabin, there's probably some things <laughs> I wouldn't watch because I lived in the arsenal of nowhere in a cabin. So yeah, I, 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 uh, I get what, that. Hills have eyes, maybe. <laughs> Oh God! But see, the funny thing is, I think it might be loosely based on real events. Oh, I have a family of fucking. And guess where that's? And guess where that's on? Disney. It is. The Hills Have Eyes is on Disney. Yeah, both of them are. The Hills Have Eyes and the Hills Have Eyes Two are both on Disney. Um, and it's a Wes Craven movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. What were we talking about? We were talking about because I live alone. Mm. Oh, yeah, because you were saying that you had to watch this during the day. Yes. I don't like a lot of the stuff that you say about having to watch during the day. I get this. I do not get why you'd have to watch you, why you'd have to watch this. I only think it's the day. I think it's more because I'm not a massive fan of any kind of anything that could hint go in my nightmares. And this kind of could. I'm not a massive fan of OBGYNs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds weird, but it's true. And yeah, there are certain things that I'm like, yeah. Ugh. I like to be able to go to sleep with a nice thought in my head. You know, the funny thing is, I like I've been prodded and poked and cut open because of having a baby. Yeah. And you're still and fine with it. Kind of, I'm still fine. <laughs> yeah, well... Everyone has their things, and they do. One of they mine do. is, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of it. Yeah, but then no, I, but then fun. I don't watch. There are lots of things that I won't watch at night because I don't. If like, I, well, most horror movies, to be fair, but there mm. are certain things. If I'm, for example, if I work late, I know that I'm mm. not going to be able to go to bed so early because yeah. I need my brain to stop ticking over. Mm. So the earlier I watch anything that's going to make me think too much, it's why I read mindless stuff when I go to bed and why I go to bed with a book and the radio rather than the TV. Yeah. Unless it's a really good yeah. book and then I don't get to sleep. I've done that a few times, way too many times, actually. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I think, no, I think in general, I suppose that's fair enough with films. People just have their their limits of what they can and can't handle. I mean, I, I I, watch horror films, but there's things I can't handle and there's people that I know and they're just like, Lorraine, what's wrong with you? But then what do you, when you think about it, when you go to bed, what is it you tend to watch when you go to bed? Before I go to bed? Yes. Oh, I'd watch like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Schitt's Creek or, yeah. And yeah. The, yeah, see, you watch the stuff that means you don't have to think about it or you're not going to think about it when you go to sleep, whether yeah, that's because yeah. it's horror or because it's something that makes you think too much. No, but I would I would watch a horror film before bed, but I have my limits. So, like, for instance, if there's a film that I haven't seen and this mate of mine, I know he's seen it, I will say to him, you know, will I be able to watch this? Well, what's, like, what was it you sent no. me? You sent me a, a message after you went and saw the latest Scream movie. Oh, so what good. was it? Yeah, well, it was. It was. It's so good. Don't, don't go and see don't, it. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, don't you? You're not allowed to watch it. <laughs> As I said, see, there are certain things you know, 
it's um but it's not your your advertising for scream is as good as um warner brothers for the batman the batman is yeah. it called the batman the next one is called the batman but the advertising for the batman is essentially um there was one billionaire playboy superhero who had no superpowers his name was iron man <laughs> go and see the second best one <laughs> But is he called? Is the new film called The New the Film Batman? is called The Batman. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> My Harry always makes fun of me because I call it. Sometimes I I've stopped doing it now, but I used to call it the YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> My mum still calls it the YouTube, but my mum hates. But my mum hates the internet. So. Okay. So I'm I'm kind of safe though. She is starting to talk about. Oh, maybe I should listen to some podcasts because I hear there are some good ones out there. And my 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 mind immediately immediately shuts down with a panic warning. <laughs> don't listen to mine. Yeah, please don't um, listen to mine. Listen to anybody yeah. else's. Just don't listen to mine, Mum. Mine's mine's good, but please don't listen to it. Tell her to listen to last podcast on the left, and it'd be so horrifying to her. I love last podcast on the left, by the way. Favorite podcast of all time. She'd probably be so horrified by it that she'd be like, I'm not listening to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Send her to a true crime one and that'll put her off if she's not into it. Uh she's no, she's she's more uh Terry Pratchett. What was she was talking about? The the line on our phone we have a phone call every Saturday and the line on our call today was so bad that she was talking about a TV show and I was going, Yeah, yeah, that that's great, that's great. And I don't know what what she was talking about at all. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, just agreeing with her because I couldn't hear what she'd said. <laughs> Best way sometimes, just not along. I know. Um, cool. So, do you have anything else to add to this about Dead Ringers? I found the. I'm looking at you've obviously you've got the screen behind you and you've got the poster mm. for Dead Ringers. I find that quite interesting. Because it's obviously it's the two brothers and Claire in between, almost mm. as though it's indicating Claire's introduction into the trio or the triad mm. was what broke it up. She was the catalyst, mm. and she's I the only she one. Was. And she's the only one that walks away from it scot free. Yeah, I think she was, but through no fault of her own. But I also think she not... was, in a way, she was far more detached from the relationship than Beverly believed her to be. Mm. I don't think she was anywhere near as dependent on him as he was on her. Oh gosh, yeah, 100%. 100%. She was, it was almost in some ways when Elliot went and spoke to her at the movie studio and she was, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want anything to do with you. It was almost as though she was kind of thumbing her nose at him and saying, I've got your brother now. Mm. So I found her yeah. her introduction into the whole thing was, for me, the turning point, even though it happened very, very close to the beginning of the film. Yeah. But I also found that she was actually, out of all of them, the least likable character, even though Elliot was an asshole. Yeah, I didn't... <sighs> There was, I mean, I found I felt her insincere. Sorry. Yeah. No, I felt sorry for Beverly, but there was no one in it that you that you really liked. Liked. No, but she was the least likable of all of them. Hmm. She was very bizarre. 
This is a bizarre character. She was detached almost as though mm. she put it down to the fact that she was part of Hollywood and everything else. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, she didn't seem to live the high life of a Hollywood no. actress. If she was that successful. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a weird it was a weird setup. Yeah, it was a very weird setup. And I think that was the main thing that I took away from it was the mm. catalyst for their entire failing relationship, Beverly and Elliot, was a woman mm. and she'd come to them initially for help, even though she'd already been told that she couldn't be. Yeah. So it was yeah. kind of like she was put in there intentionally to destroy them, even though she didn't realise that, that was that's what she was there for. What her role was. Yeah. yeah. So would you recommend this film? Would you watch it again? This is probably the second or third time I've watched it because obviously it used to be on late at night on TV mm. when we were growing up. I think I probably would watch it again and maybe through different eyes this time. Not Rosemary's Baby style. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but looking at it from a perspective of the cinematography far more than the story. Mm. Because mm. I think you can analyze the story to pieces. And we're never going to get to the bottom of the real story of the Marcus twins, especially with this film. Yeah. What about no, I you? Don't think you're ever... No, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. So I would. And if someone, you know, came to stay and they wanted to watch it, I'd watch it again. I think it's a, a great film. I think it's a really good film. I think Jeremy Irons is exceptional. Oh, he's fantastic I mean, in this. I'm a cronenberg fan when but i i am a cronenberg fan but i think you have to be in the mood yes. like i said you have to be in the mood for it. you couldn't just put this on to wash over no it's not one you of know, the, i don't need... think it's a film that you could go i mean i started off watching this film and i knew that there was no way because i watched ghostbusters afterlife before i watched this mm. and i knew there was no way i was going to be able to read anything while i was watching it it's not a yeah, background it's... noise film. No, it's not. And I think some, like, like there's a lot of films that you can kind of just put on and, like you said, potter about, you know, read a book, clean, you know, tie, whatever. Yeah. But I think this film deserves your attention. And I don't, I think if you don't watch it properly with just your focus being on the film, then you're not doing it justice. Like, no. do you know what I mean? Even the soundtrack so, was amazing. Yeah, yeah, there were parts that actually I really enjoyed with the music. But yeah, I think you need to watch it properly and appreciate what it is. And if anything, just like I said, for the acting of Jer like I mean, I love Jeremy Irons. He's a great actor. He's one of the only um, things that makes um, Die Hard with a Vengeance bearable. I know. <laughs> He's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, I'd highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Yeah, same here. But watch it. Don't, don't you know? Be in the mood. And don't do other things while you're while you're yeah, watching. Yeah, it needs Just to be. I think it's a, a film with wine. I finished mine, but yes, a film with wine. Yes. I think that's... Yeah, no. It's one of those... It is a good film. It's mm. very cleverly done. Bearing mm. in mind it was made in 1988 before all of this mm. CGI technology was anywhere near what it is now. Mm. And... Jeremy Irons is superb as both brothers. 
Yeah. He has different characteristics for both of them, which is very, mm. very clever. Yeah, it was really, I find it really difficult to kind of, even though I knew Jeremy Irons was doing both roles, I find it really difficult to like see that, but he was doing both roles, if you know what I mean, because like when you saw him as Elliot, he was, like I said, this very like stood tall, stood proud, very clean cut, slick back hair, Patrick Bateman-esque person. Yeah. But then when you saw him as Beverly, he was like this kind of shriveled up, nervous wreck of a person that was a bit kind of like Hugh Grant messed up floppy hair yeah, he, type thing. He was, there was the body language between when you looked at the mm. two of them when they were playing together, or well, not playing together, but acting on the screen yeah. together. You had, as you said, Elliot with his standing tall. He was very proud of the fact that he was a few millimeters taller than his brother. Yeah. yeah. I'm the older brother. He constantly referred yeah. to him baby as brother. baby brother or little brother. Yeah. And yeah. then you had Beverly, who was the studious one. He was the yeah. one with the floppy hair, didn't really care about any his appearance so much, wore the comfy clothing, curled up on himself almost. And that contrast between the two characters, knowing they were played by the same actor, was amazing. Mm. Because you could tell yeah. the difference in their body language more than anything. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think he did an amazing job. Um, and it had a very small cast when you think about it as well. And they held it. They held it together. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's uh, the end of Dead Ringers. I'm glad you picked it. I enjoyed <laughs> watching it. I sometimes pick it's a weird good films. Film. <laughs> it's a weird one. It is but weird. It's definitely, um, yeah, it's very weird. But it's 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 definitely worth, worth a watch. So, Ray, if anyone wants to find you to listen to your podcast, tell us about it. Okay. Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs. Yep, that many. At, uh, and then over on, oh my good grief, Instagram, I'm not before coffee podcast. And I'm on Not Before Coffee podcast on Facebook. But if you want to find my episodes, you can find them at notbeforecoffee.co.uk because they are updated there. And I release an episode which is a book review every single Monday. And I don't just do one genre. I try and make it a nice variation. Because if it were just nice. one genre, I think you'd get bored. <laughs> oh, yeah. For you and for the listeners. Yes. Just kind of mix it up a bit. Even if the last yeah. few I've done have been a bit questionable. <laughs> <laughs> have a listen and find out. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening here. And go and listen to Ray. And obviously rate and review her on iTunes and Podchaser. And also, if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare Podcast. On Twitter as a Nightmare Pod. Facebook, Once Upon a Nightmare. And you can email me as Once Upon a Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. I think one person's emailed me. I think that's nice. And I'm on Buy Me a Coffee as Buy Me a Prosecco. Uh, so, of yeah, you can go and find <laughs> me there. Of course. But yeah, so, Ray, thank you so much for coming on again. And you probably probably will be on again. Well, you're going to. We're returning the favour because I'm making you read a book. Oh, God, I know. So, I, I have to read a book for Ray's The First Wives Club for uh, Ray's podcast. So, that probably is like nearly 400 pages so it will probably be out maybe 2025 by the time I finished it. 
Yeah, and I'm saying uh, I'm not going to make any comment because I read a 400-page book today. <laughs> yeah, Ray, Ray reads. I kind of like start reading a page and then I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, but at least, hey, it's a good sedative. Yeah, so, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. It's just I'm not very good at sitting down and just sitting there. I have to be doing something. As you probably notice, I've been doing this a lot on my chair because I'm like, <laughs> I need to be doing something. I'm not very good at sitting still. So yeah, a bit longer. But anyway, thank you for coming on and I will chat to you again very soon. Yeah. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.